So how you guys doing? How was the trip? It was good. It was good. Yeah. Was cool. It was fucking hot in Italy. No. Fucking Mediterranean. Right. <laughs> it was like in the 90s and then the humidity Ew. was in the high 80s. Mm. So that was really rough because it was, I don't know, like we hashtagged puddle butt. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> Swamp ass. <laughs> exactly. When we began to order our food, everybody got Coca-Colas and I was like, water. I need water. I realize there's water on the table, but I'm going to drink all that water and then some be bringing me some water. <laughs> Can I have a water and then a backup water for the first water? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Finish like... his duties. <laughs> right. Dude, my pee was fluorescent. I couldn't get enough water in my body. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. But yeah, we could, uh, if you guys are ready, we could roll over to our Fuck, Mary Kill for the September episode. <laughs> All right. I have to say, though, this is this has to be probably one of the roughest Fuck, Mary Kills. <laughs> I know. I think I think I made the ultimate Fuck, Mary Kill. Um, it's definitely going to be one of the toughest out of the gate. So the Fuck, Mary Kill. Yeah, I still haven't decided where I'm, I'm going to land on this. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh. I said, what was Those that? chimes? Was that like an ethereal moment? Well, What's it was the outdoor one. But uh, so we got guacamole, salsa, and queso. And to clarify queso, not just cheese, the way we make queso is Velveeta cheese with Hernandez salsa verde and regular tomatillo salsa and ground beef. So it's... But that would be that would be con queso. Oh, right? sorry. Yes, I believe you are correct. So we've got guacamole, salsa, or queso. Those are these. And do you and do you know why it's so yummy? Because it is the uncleanest shit I make in this house. <laughs> <laughs> we we eat very healthy. However, sometimes you just gotta get a block of cheese. Oh yeah, no the the fake. Fake cheese food is the best. <laughs> you're like you ever like queso fundido, where it's like it's like a chorizo oh. with basically cheese sauce over it. Oh, it is it is dis- disgusting Again. and amazing at the same time. <laughs> As fuck Mary kills usually are. Yeah. It's one of those like fuck this is terrible, but oh my god I can't stop eating it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to eat it all. <laughs> so uh, who who wants to try to choose? <sighs> first it's so hard <laughs> um <laughs> don't don't everyone jump at once i think i would marry guacamole because i fucking love avocados i can sit there and just eat like an avocado with a spoon and nothing else right. and i've kind of over the years kind of created my own version of like a guacamole that i really like so like that's one of those like comfort things like that and a bag of chips is just like you know it's all that in a bag of chips exactly <laughs> 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 so yeah, I'd marry I'd marry guacamole. I think I'd fu- I think <laughs> you like the, the the like analyzing moment. <laughs> Ooh, this is heavy. Oh well, because I, I fucking I love to I really love tomatoes, and so I love like a nice salsa. Yeah. Like a salsa is just wonderful. 
but at the same time, I also love fucking melty, cheesy food. So it's like, who do I want to fuck really bad? But but I don't want to kill either of them. You're like, I don't want to lose out on any of these. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna commit to it because I'm an unhealthy person. I'll say, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna fuck. Person. I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> By my own admission. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I'm self-aware. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, fuck queso because fucking queso. It's one of those just you just hit queso. it and you leave it. Um, <laughs> and then I'm gonna kill. This is a hot soupy mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Name of my sex tape. We have some leftover meat. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna fuck queso and so, yeah. I'm reluctantly gonna kill uh, salsa. Down with salsa. salsa. <laughs> Oh, what about you, Tanya? Oh. How do you choose? I'm gonna go on vanity alone, and I'm gonna, I'm only gonna dabble with the guacamole because <laughs> I've I've learned of some recent news that I find very unsettling. So I'm just gonna dabble. I'm just gonna dabble. I'm just gonna dabble. <laughs> I like it. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna go dabble in that guacamole. That's, that's gonna be that's gonna be my fuck, right? salsa i'm gonna marry because it's like the healthiest and like most pragmatic food group and it's tasty and it's nourishing and tomatoes are antioxidants and tomatoes i think wonderful. that's a good that's a good married that's that's good yeah right it's smart she's got and high then, hopes for life and it's true i do and then i'm gonna i'm gonna have to get rid of con queso that having been said we will be making it all the talk about the queso and, and what you had the other day for dinner we were like fuck it let's just go get some let's go get a hunk of Velveeta yeah, <laughs> yeah that was so good That's it. oh my god right we even actually went and that got is. tacos yesterday and got the stuff to make queso so if we don't actually put out this podcast it's because we died of heart failure (laughs) (laughs) best death ever so right (laughs) or at least tastiest death right right yeah when i put this one together i was like oh that would be kind of funny guacamole con queso salsa these are really great things and then i thought to myself oh my god how am i gonna choose because they're all fucking amazing yeah. Like she like was telling me she was like I picked my fuck Mary kill and it's just so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like when you said I was like fuck. <laughs> like I stared at it for a minute. I'm like I don't know where to go with this. <laughs> where do I go? Where do I go? It's like so one of life's biggest decisions. Yep. And it's only pretend. <laughs> it, it proves you guys are Californians now. <laughs> oh, right. Right. No. <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm gonna have to um Californication. <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to fuck queso because I think if I ate it more than once then that would be bad news. <laughs> and I think I'd really like to marry guacamole. Tanya makes a really good guacamole. That's really, really yummy. I don't pat myself on the back very often, but when I do, it's when there's guacamole that I've made sitting between the two of us. Well, I'm, I'm it's pretty fucking looking awesome. Looking forward to next time I come over, we're doing guacamole. Right? Have... Right on. Right on. I'll bring the sriracha deviled eggs and we can have guacamole with it too. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then we'll die in our own methane. <laughs> if you drive over after this podcast, you can have some queso today. <laughs> <laughs> so I think between guac and salsa, I'm going to have to marry salsa. Only because salsa is more plentiful. 
I feel like Salsa can provide me a lot longer. And as Tanya hinted at, I did discover some very upsetting news about avocados. So okay. I feel like... Tree testicles? <laughs> right, right. I feel uh, like... What? No, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, there, I, I think it's in Spanish. I thought I remember like something like avocado is like translates to tree testicles because they look, they hang in pairs and they look like... It does of avocado is derived from the Aztec name, which is, which means testicle. Okay. So... <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Well, then in that case, I really just dabbled in guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to to figuratively kill guacamole although i really i had some yesterday so i don't know uh, Figur- i like i don't know if you've even prefaced figuratively for real people no no because no. i mean i got hope for them <laughs> do you think okay so i was thinking the other day with our fuck mary kill i was like do you think that like famous people are all like you know i just dream about sleeping with that Absolutely no name person. (laughs) No, because they're like you and me, just a little smarter. (laughs) They're like, you know who would be a good fuck? That person that I fucking had bagged my groceries the other day. Like, (laughs) no, no, no. Um, (laughs) like you is in plural, like both of you guys. I want to hear more about this avocado nut thing. Yeah, I mean. Segue. I did kind of set myself up for it, so bravo me. Pat on my back. Yay! But yeah, so <laughs> the, the they what they don't know. I watched. Uh, so I'll hold post... on. What about it gives you three nuts? Did you say that, or do I imagine that, Tyler? No, you you made up three nuts. I made up three nuts. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Tree, tree nuts. nuts. Oh, tree nuts. Aha! These nuts. They look like nuts that grow on trees. And and by nuts, I mean not the uh, food nuts. (laughs) That sucks for me. Thank you. (laughs) It's nuts so good. (laughs) It's awesome. I watched this video. I'll post on on the links below. And it, it did say that the word was derived from the Aztec, which meant testicles. They weren't so sure if it was because it looked like testicles in the tree, or they so said sure? something else. But I was like, yeah, right. But I think it just looks. I think it was because it looks like testicles in the tree. But yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, they didn't know if it was for the shape looking like testicles or because it's supposedly an aphrodisiac. What does that say for penises back then? When you think of a tree branch. <laughs> I, I mean, know. everything kind of looks like a penis if you, if you squint <laughs> if you hard, enough. hard enough. Right? If you squint hard enough, right? Have you seen cities? Very, I just imagined it very disease-riddled and more like moguls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Avocado trees are very silky smooth skin. They, they don't have rough oh. bark. But anyways, I do digress. They said that avocados are also an aphrodisiac, supposedly. <laughs> I don't I don't know about that, but whatever. But the upsetting fact, besides the fact that it looks like a testicle, and essentially now you're selectively eating testicles when you have an avocado, so enjoy it. Um, <laughs> I'm okay with that. There's a huge problem. Avocados consume so much water to grow one avocado. So it said 260 gallons of water produce 2.2 pounds of avocados which they said is in the equivalent of seven and a half bathtubs full of water gives you one avocado. Jeez. I was like, what? That's crazy. 
I mean, I knew like just marinate on that for a second. Yeah. And like then, almonds, know, I know take a ton of water, right? We live in the state of always being in a drought, so like it's like oh fuck. <laughs> right. Well. And what was interesting is, you know, most we do produce avocados here in California and Florida are basically the two places in the United States that produce them, but they don't produce the mass quantity. So most all of our avocados are coming from Mexico. And then it said like Peru, Dominican Republic, Colombia, Brazil, Indonesia, South Africa, those all produce as well. But they like South Africa, basically those avocados get shipped to the Western countries where we get most all of our avocados from Mexico. Mm. And it said that because it is such a water Which, hog... by the way, is caught up also in the drug trade wars in Mexico. So when you see all the violence and insanity with whatever your political belief is on, on that current situation, the deaths that are behind it, avocados are also lumped into that. Mm. Well, yeah, that's what the video was saying, is because a lot of these avocado farms or plantations, I guess what they would be called, because they consume so much water, they're being controlled by big business because, you know, mom and pop, they can't afford all the water to maintain these plantations. (laughs) I got a plane fucking flying overhead. I'm looking at nuts. <laughs> I, I was doing, I did a Google search of like avocado trees just to see what the trees look like. And that's, that came up. It's like, those look at balls. <laughs> that's funny. They're like freshly shaved. Yep. <laughs> so gross. They're shiny. <laughs> Go ahead, Julie. Sorry. I, I digress, clearly. <laughs> because it is kind of a big business, you need these mega farms in order to, like, alter the entire landscape to produce most of these these plants. And uh, it also said avocado trees have very shallow root systems, so they're not a great tree to... It's like a weeping willow tree. To be relying on a bunch yeah, of for the fruit produced. being produced on it, right? Yeah, so most of the fruits are actually grafted. And the other problem is, like, you know, it's a big business thing, but it's also the amount of time before you even produce fruit is a really long time. So you... It's almost like an olive branch. Yeah, you couldn't just start up a business and be like, I'm going to have avocados next year. It takes 15 years for a tree to produce fruit. And even if they've grafted the tree from an existing tree or, you know, another root base or whatever, it takes eight years for that tree to produce fruit. So... It's this is definitely a long term business. It's not cost effective. So they they say that they use a lot of clones because that helps kind of speed up the process. But I'll say that would open it up to what like disease and stuff or. Well, yeah, I guess by cloning and by grafting, they're able to kind of fizzle out the disease. Okay. It gives them a better a better chance <laughs> at succeeding. Better jump. And, yeah. yeah. Because if they're if they're starting fresh, then they're way more susceptible. But my understanding, like, and this could be wrong, I just kind of picked this up, but I was like, well, if you're wiping out entire areas and just putting in avocado plants, there's really nothing else surviving there, so you probably won't have any pest problems because yeah. everything around you is dead. Nature finds a way. Cornel grow there, <laughs> right? But it said in Mexico, eighty percent of the water is already used for just agriculture. Fuck. So that's. And that's like mostly, you know, big business. But like Tanya said, because of that, a lot of the cartels are making extra money 
off of avocados versus just from drugs. So avocados are kind of like the cocaine of... <laughs> so say hello to my little friend! <laughs> there was a time in my life where I worked for a natural food retailer and I ate an avocado a day. Julie goes, that's seven bathtubs of water a day. Yeah. Yep. But it was delicious. Right? I know. I, mean, I was like, oh my God, I feel so bad. And I there's pretty okay skin. <laughs> there's there's one one place in Chile that's you know it used to be a vast producer of avocados but it's completely in drought so now it's just like a barren wasteland which it wasn't before but because they just farm the shit out of it it has irreversible eco damage like it can never recover and also in Chile another problem for that area versus Mexico is you can buy rights to water hmm. so they're always going to have the upper hand Nestle. on agriculture because all these places can afford water. Yeah, that's why we don't Coca-Cola don't want water rights to be sold here in the United States because it will just create a huge problem. But well, I mean, Nestle's taking all of California's water, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's water rights, so the ownership. You know, we sell water now, but we don't have ownership. I think is the difference, right? I'm not sure. Well, let's be confident on that. I just remember reading something about like how uh, Nestle was just, like, basically taking a bunch of water from, like, Southern California that could be used for the city, and they're just bottling it and selling it. I did see that. Uh, Nestle Waters North America sustainably sourced in California. That's like an oxymoron because there is no sustainable water in I thought they were trying California. to buy the rights to, but they're, 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 they're like, lobbying. To, they are one of the biggest lobbyists for these water rights. It says water laws in the United States refer to water resource laws, laws regulating water as a resource in the U.S. Beyond issues common to all jurisdictions, attempting to regulate water uses, water law in U.S. must contend with public regulations of water, including food control, environmental regulations, state and federal public health regulations, and regulations of fisheries. Um, the interplay of public and private rights in water, which draws on aspects of eminent domain law and the Federal Commerce Clause. A water project law, the highly developed law regarding the formation, operation, and finance of public and quasi-public entities, which operate local public works of flood control, navigation control, irrigation, and avoidance of environmental degradation, treaty rights of the Native Americans. So it sounds like we... We're kind of balanced between the two. So Coca-Cola's biggest interest in it is, is that it's their first ingredient. Yep. For their biggest selling product. Yeah. And, and the domino effect that that causes. Nestle says that it sources it sustainably, but we all know there's no <laughs> yeah. sustainable well, water oh, no. in California. Like they would ever say, like, oh, well, we're doing this, it's, you know, unsustainably. We're so going to keep it's doing Julie's it. It's Julie's European neon pee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But it was crazy because the U.S. imports 2 billion pounds a year of avocados, which exceeds the number of bananas that we import. Oh, wow. It's all those fucking millennials yeah, and their right? avocado toast. Right? But I love avocados. I'm not a millennial. I love it. Oh, it's, I, oh, I know. I feel so bad. Great. But it's interesting because, like, growing like, up... I ate an avocado the other day, and, like, Julie gave me the stink eye. <laughs> it's like, you know now. You can't eat that. <laughs> you, can't, you can't unknow this. My, my job is to sit here and ruin avocados for everyone. Feel guilty. Oh, man. 
Are you eating an avocado and listening to this podcast? Fucking feel bad about yourself, okay? I'm gonna eat avocado and not feel I mean, guilty. If you're eating, if, if you're eating avocados at a subway, do they even taste that good in the first place? Right. Maybe is it worth it? it? No. Right. I mean, well, what's funny is like quality. Right. I've totally sat there and just like had an avocado, just like with a spoon, and just been so oh, content. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like this is delicious. Right? Well, it's, yeah. it, it sucks because, like you said, essentially marketing is to blame for this over-explosion of the avocado consumption. That's a fact. If you ate it when it was in season or when it was in abundance and it was being distributed to you, that makes sense. But do I need an avocado in Iceland? <laughs> yes. When I was a kid, I remember my stepdad brought home an avocado and I was like, what is that? It's weird looking. And he's like, well, you can't eat it for a couple days because you have to let it get ripe. And I was like, why would you buy something that you can't eat right away? Yeah. This makes no sense. Like, you know what I mean? That it was, was a like lesson so in foreign. long-term investment. <laughs> right? <laughs> Julie. But, little New Hampshire girl with her box of Fruit Loops. But I just... Right? I, right, I, I just couldn't believe seven and a half bathtubs of water is one avocado wow. it, it said this is why i chose to marry salsa because a tomato is only one tub of water oh, nice. <laughs> and i mean dry farm tomatoes are excellent have them they're amazing yeah. <laughs> it said uh salad is only a half a tub and i was like all right well i mean one and a half tubs i can have a salad but i want an avocado on top of it what the fuck <laughs> what were you gonna say I used to be able to grow uh, cherry tomatoes in my backyard, and they came out, like, just super delicious. But it's gotten so dry now, like, I can't even grow much of anything out there. Right. Well, we kind of inadvertently end up growing dry farm tomatoes just because we're really bad about remembering to water them. <laughs> Watering. <laughs> but, yeah, it's so hard. Our agriculture situation is very crazy and very scary. Yeah. At this point, it's something that maybe we should probably be a little more cognizant yeah. of. Yeah, well, it's like, remember when we listened to uh, S-Town? Yeah. And how he talks about the erosion of our topsoil and how we are basically just destroying any ability to have agriculture in the future by just mass yeah. producing things. What was interesting when, you know, when you have an 11 and a half hour flight, you watch a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> and what was interesting about the avocado thing was I watched that movie Interstellar, which... Mm came out a few years ago so it was a little dated but it was matthew mcconaughey hey 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 <laughs> that was kind of the same premise is you know they over farmed everything and the only thing that they were capable of growing at that point was corn and you know they ended up they were like going to die on the planet because they destroyed all the ability to produce anything agriculturally we just wiped out the land i just like to put a disclaimer out there i don't have a problem with corn i don't have a problem with people growing corn corn is a really cool thing for a wide variety of reasons isn't it's in everything including things you don't eat why i'm not entirely sure but it is you can pop it the <laughs> right you can pop it we it's like insult to injury really isn't it <laughs> but the problem with it is that it's a it's a mono cropped thing and it takes up a lot of the, the nutrition from the soil so oh so it kind of leaches a lot out when when growing yeah okay yeah. a nutrient suck is that basically i mean basically yeah they they require a lot of water but they but they mostly require a lot out of the soil as as he was he was saying because who doesn't who doesn't like the oklahoma dust bowl <laughs> well what's what's weird is like 
corn is in, in your gas, right? It's an ethanol. ethanol. yeah. Like, was this because somebody watched Back to the Future and they saw Doc throw a bunch of garbage <laughs> in, the, in the DeLorean and that processed the energy? Right. Soybeans, it's trade. It's about easy farm trade. It's a very 80s industrial, it, like, it was like tail end of the industrial age and just changed. Public law 480. Now that's when the price of beans or any grain falls below a certain level and we give it away to starving countries, which lessens the supply and that brings the price back up again. Excuse me, is it true that soybeans could end world hunger? One handful per person per day could do just that, but there's no profit in giving food away. It isn't food there's a shortage of, it's money. If poor people had money, we'd be happy to feed them. You know, that that wasn't like the greatest movie on the face of the planet, but it had, from an educational standpoint, it really dumbed down science, which is always good for me in particular. <laughs> yeah, interstellar. Big concepts kind of like spelled out. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would have done better had Matthew McConaughey not immediately came off of Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Club. yeah. All right, all right, all right. So from an aesthetic standpoint, he looks totally crazy. They've and he's got like the biggest spray tan I've ever seen since yeah. you know recently, unfortunately. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was cool? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna agree with you. Like the thing I liked about Interstellar is it takes these really high concepts of astronomy and astrophysics and kind of puts them in a movie form, like the whole thing of how time operates differently on this one planet versus in the rest of the universe kind of thing. Yeah. Like time is relative. No, it was very slowed down for me. And I appreciated that because I, I have friends like you who were like, they totally get it where I only understand a little bit. They are like way on top of, and it's because I don't understand some of these most basic things. I think there's almost like a part of personal psyche that doesn't want to think about it. Strangely enough. Do you think that that's true? Probably. Cause it's really mind blowing. Yeah. It, like it's, it's, well, it, it's, it's humbling. That's humbling. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you feel very tiny in minuscule and not really that important. Yeah. That's, that's the thing like Carl Sagan always said was like, like the pursuit of astronomy is a humbling experience. You realize there's just so much vastness and complexity to the universe that you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I am nothing compared to like right? all these crazy <laughs> things that are happening out there that are just out of my reach. And I'm just a, a moat of dust in the cosmos. Yeah, I'm literally, I am literally no better than the dust in this house mm -hmm. I ignore. Damn it, I am a speck. <laughs> yep. what, what I thought was cool, because I was like, I mean, you learned a lot. That's crazy. About like wormholes, black holes, you know, all the space theory and, and gravity and this, that, and the other. I did a, a Wikipedia search because I was curious when the movie came out, but I did see on there that this scientist, his name is Kip Thorne. He's a theoretical physicist and he actually served as the scientific consultant and executive producer on that movie. So, kind of like an advisor. Yeah, so like they really went the extra effort to make sure that this movie was scientifically accurate. And I know movies do that to a certain degree anyways, but this guy was a fucking executive producer, which is meaning like he did a ton of work and they gave him an executive producer credit as compensation usually that's how you end up getting in a producer title like that yeah it's it's it's, a, it's an honorary thing yeah it's like you really fucking made this happen you fucking rocked yeah that's totally cool so i thought that movie was really good i thought it was done really well it was it was a little long at some points but yeah i was pretty impressed with it christopher nolan likes to take his time <laughs> yeah 
But what was funny was, even though it was an incredibly long movie, the first portion kind of seemed rushed because they also had to try to get so much information in such a short period of time so yeah. they can continue with the rest of the movie. But Yeah, because like they're, they're building a world. They're like, you know, here's the world of the future and this is what's happening and this is the problems they face. And oh, hey, there's also this thing, anomaly that showed up in our solar system. Right. Here's this weird Somehow we all forgot about the Oklahoma Dust Bowl. <laughs> that was the other thing that was cool was um, the Dust Bowl footage was actually from Ken Burns' documentary on the Dust Bowl. That was totally cool. So those were real stories from real people. And I thought that was really cool how he was able to integrate that into the movie and utilize it and also give those people like another platform because the fact that you know that that was real you're like oh fuck that like this could really happen what the fuck like this really did happen so i thought that was pretty cool (laughs) just wait till yellowstone pops then we'll have fun (laughs) right (laughs) the other thing i thought was cool was uh matthew mcconaughey was in contact oh yeah which when did that come out like 98 Eight, I think. Yeah, a long time ago. You'll always be younger than me. Because I saw that movie in film school. Yeah, 1997. 1997. (laughs) But I feel like the difference with Contact and Interstellar was she basically never left. Mm. Because she traveled through the wormholes, right? And then when she came back, they were like, you were only gone an hour. But when he came back, he had been gone for like, I don't know, 70 years or something. He went, he, but he had a different travel experience than her. Yeah. I know, but I was kind of curious, like, what was the difference between the wormholes and the black holes that they went into? Well, I think you know, it contacts well, more, like, soft sci-fi, whereas Interstellar uses a lot more of, like, scientific principles of, you know, mass and more time relativity and stuff like that. Like, those are actual things that we can observe. Well, one was one specific journey. She went to one reality and came back. Whereas, like, they went to different realities, and based on the wormhole or the black hole that they went through, it had different variables is how I... Well, I do do understand that, but I think what Tyler's saying is more... Sorry. I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Right, right, right. Well, again, this really weird concept stuff. (laughs) What are black holes? A object that has such immense mass that it is able to alter time and space around it. The gravitational pull is so intense that even light cannot escape it, usually born from dying stars, when its mass becomes so great that it collapses in upon itself, but they can be formed in other ways. Most galaxies have a supermassive black hole at their center, which acts as an anchor point for which the galaxy itself rotates around. Anything unfortunate to be caught in the gravitational pull of a black hole would experience spaghettification, wherein it would be stretched vertically while being crushed horizontally causing it to elongate until all it resembles is a long noodle. What are wormholes? A hypothetical stellar object that links two parts of space with one another. While never observed, little is known about wormholes, how they are formed, or what they look like. They are believed to be possible due to Einstein's theory of general relativity, but are exceedingly rare, and thus are not expected to be observed for some time. This phenomenon has been popular in science fiction due to its potential to act as a bridge for space explorers to travel the universe much faster than conventional means. Though a common trope in sci-fi it is unknown whether the gravitational effects would be too intense to allow safe passage for a living creature. Right? I think like Interstellar, they went... The point that I took away from Interstellar is no matter what you do with time, you can't 
make it go backwards. That is true. And so I think in... You had a problem with contact. She was still... She was able to be Well, she was only gone for like a couple hours. So that was... It's interesting. I'm thinking like contact, obviously... Yeah. Tyler well, said like, probably well, wasn't... Yeah, both deal with the whole concept of, like, time dilation. That two people experience time differently due to just kind of the physics of the universe. In, like, Contact, she, you know, obviously was just gone for an hour. But because the speeds that she was traveling through the wormhole or whatever the fuck right. it was in that movie, time seemed so much longer for her because... Or did she went through much more time... Because she was traveling at such a speed that was outside of what physics should be, kind of thing. That it, that it, the science on that is based on is even more further ahead than what we're currently quasi already understanding. Yeah, yeah like we we kind of for Einstein's kind of like tapped into it. He's kind of like you know he was the one that first really pointed out like, hey, this is the numbers say this is how it works. And we, mm-hmm. the the further we've come, we've kind of seen more and more that that's true. That there's time is relative. Yeah, and basically this. Contact was from 1997, and what we know from 97 compared to almost 20 years later is completely different, too. But you know what was interesting? Yay, computers! Right? (laughs) This says Contact was a film adaptation of Carl Sagan's 1985 novel of the same name, and Sagan and his wife, Anne Duran... Anne Duran? I don't think that's how you pronounce her name. Duran Duran. (laughs) Hungry Like the Wolf. (laughs) I was just gonna do it. <laughs> Great minds think alike. But him and his wife wrote the story outline for the film, so I didn't know that. That's, That's kind of cool. Yeah, that is yeah, cool. I knew he so was, was like tangentially was also, involved uh, with it. Say that again. Oh, as I say, I, I know he was like tangentially involved with it. Yeah, I didn't know that he had anything to do with it, so that's kind of crazy. Yeah, so so I thought that movie was really cool, and I kind of was like, oh, this is kind of the future of us due to our love and consumption amount for avocado. Yay, world! So hopefully yep. I'm dead by then. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also watched Blade Runner on the plane. Nice. Uh, 2046. That yeah. was really good. I really liked that movie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the kind of cyberpunk genre. Yeah. The kind of the futuristic, That's but cool. like dystopic version of the future i agree yeah 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 because it it, i don't know why it's kind of like comforting in a weird way maybe because it sort of readies you for the worst case scenario and you're like okay this isn't too bad it's like we've come so far and yet we're still facing the same shit (laughs) right right that that's what was funny because we watched blade runner within this last year because i'd never really seen the full movie Mm. and i thought to myself wow even though that movie was done so long ago compared to the new Blade Runner it still really held up yeah it looks because it gives the false sense of heart yeah (laughs) at the end of the day that's what's gonna win yeah Yeah. it's gonna be okay (laughs) but I really did like the the new Blade Runner and Jared Leto who was also in Dallas Spiders Club was in that movie yeah right Um, but he did a good job that movie was done really well I really really dug that i think so too i think yeah. i think it i think it um 
was very on on par online with the original and 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 had it gave it some yeah, exactly yeah. like it, it it felt like the first movie like the with the long camera shots yeah. like following a you know following the car like through the city as it kind of just flew around like those kind of like where it took its time it wasn't like rushed it's like yeah. here's the world here you know experience it kind of thing yeah aesthetically i thought it was pretty fucking spot on for 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 the transition of of you know meeting a new audience and, and joining an older audience. I thought it was great. Right. I felt bad for um, Ryan Gosling's computer girlfriend, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. You feel, you feel so bad. It's like, oh. But you're not real. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny because you kind of develop an attachment to her. Yeah. And you feel bad for him. But even though she's just basically just an AI script, but still, like, there's that, that human wanting to apply our feelings and emotions to things that may not understand what those feelings and emotions, like how you know, how we feel about animals and stuff like that. Right. You know, animal doesn't necessarily think the same way we do, so it may not experience the same kind of emotions we do. Well, I think it's the only thing that forces you to see yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. You kind of anthropomorphize it. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So, you know, with the current political environment, I'm pretty shocked at my fellow man's disregard for a great many of things and the battles that they choose, coyotes and things. It's fucking kind of weird. Yeah. How inhuman humans can be. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's totally crazy. So you don't really understand heart until you have that mirrored experience. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. Like to this day, if I watch the movie uh, Steven Spielberg's AI, mm. I get so upset because I'm like, I know he's just a robot, but you've created him to feel and have the emotions of a human, and then he has nobody. And he's by himself. Yeah, it's you him his fucking. Him. <laughs> yeah, it's like how he had. That's not true, Julie. He had the statue of Liberty. <laughs> he had the teddy bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is like I kind of picture that movie also being remade with like Ted as the teddy bear in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> that is that awesome. would be a great hybrid so, film. Um, Fuck you, thunder. When you hear the sound of thunder, don't you get too scared. Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. Fuck you, thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't get me thunder because you're just God's fuss. We could get some funding for uh, Tripace Pod. We could have the Chronicles of Tripace Pod, and that would be one of our episodes. In an AI world. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just kind of... The whole artificial intelligence is cool. It's crazy. I understand it. Like, even in Interstellar, they had those really shitty robots, mm. which I was like, boy, these are really bad. Like, they're square boxes. But they also had that ability of human emotion to a certain extent. And I was like, ah, it's not... I understand we, we do that for the comfort level, but it's also at what cost it's only as good as what you put into yeah. it right it reminds me of you know the curiosity probe that's on mars mm -hmm. how they how they programmed it to basically sing itself happy birthday using the gears and like the the parts of it that move they made they basically recreated you know happy birthday that that song so it would sing itself happy birthday and actually happened this last Aww. month on august 5th so curiosity cool. yeah it's a uh, five years now it sings oh, itself wow. happy birthday and the the thing the cute thing is that on that day like everyone at nasa they come and they bring a cake and they <laughs> like do a live Aww. live stream with the with the bot essentially and they like cut the cake and they have a little party for them 
That's cool. Yeah. That's there's some cultures know that. that don't even experience happy birthday. It's like not even part of their culture. So he's getting more than some people get on the planet. Jehovah yeah, it's just adorable like that, you know, humans, like we created this little robot to shoot it to a different planet and right. let it just live its existence there. And we you know, programmed it to sing itself happy birthday. Celebrate. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Again, humans can fall in love with a lot of things. <laughs> right? I know. That's kind of weird. Cars. Mm. But yeah, we're so evil to our fellow man. Be. Yeah. <laughs> Girls sitting on balloons. Okay. Weird fetishes. <laughs> pop, pop. That's funny. <laughs> Jumping back real quick, speaking of cyberpunk, there's a game coming out that everyone in the gaming community is a buzz about. It's called uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I sent a short okay. little trailer about it. Just the basically what they are doing is they're creating a. Uh, it's a West Coast city. Basically, it kind of looks like it's supposed to be San Francisco, but it's in the near okay. future and it's this like cyberpunk dystopia. It obviously borrows a lot from Blade Runner, just in design. Okay. And whatnot. You know what's kind of funny right now, and I, I'm okay saying it, is um I don't really have a YouTube account. No, it's okay. So oh, is it not I letting you play? Sign in right now. Well, I'd have to like sign into an account. I think like a million years ago I made an account. Oh yeah, because it's probably weird. You have uh, to sign into NC it. 17 or, or adult rated because there's violence in the trailer. Can't deny it, it's all true. But everybody still wants to live here. This city's always got a promise for you. Might be a lie, an illusion, but it's there, just around the corner, and it keeps you going. What's interesting is um, I just started watching that movie, The Ghost in the Shell. Oh yeah, the with a uh, Scarlet Joe. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson. This is kind of like all these people have the modifications. Yeah. The, the Japanese really got into the cyberpunk genre for a while, especially in anime. Like the original Ghost in the Shell was really good, but it was very cyberpunk. Yeah. Because everybody, That's... like pretty much everybody had augmentations in their body. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I had only watched like the first bit of it, so I haven't seen the whole thing, but. Um... I'd recommend the anime. Yeah. I am going to watch that video later because Julie will have to show yeah, it to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just a little, <laughs> little, little side. Just maybe think of that because. Yeah, the internet is exploding about that because it looks really good, but it still has two more years of development. So, wow. like, it looks this good now, and it's like, oh, they still are going to work on it for two more years. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. That's, you know, that's all, that was always, like, I suck at video games, so I don't play a lot of video games. Um, <laughs> but it always kind of weirded me out that you would watch, like, the intro to the video games, and they would be, like, the most graphically advanced, visually pleasing things, and then you would get to the game itself, and it was like pixelated from hell. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Because the processors just couldn't like. Yeah, keep up. yeah. Because there's a difference between like if you're watching like what they call a cutscene. It's a pre-rendered, pre-scripted. It's basically a video. You're watching a video where they this piece goes to here, this piece does that. Mm -hmm. They can you know predict it. But once you get into the game, you're living in a rendered active environment so it has to process everything else because it doesn't know as where you're you gonna go, go basically yeah. yeah so it has to kind of render it as you move around when you're if you're in like a 3d environment when you turn left it has to render that so that's why they'll usually be a little more simpler yeah yeah but the further we've come with technology those lines kind of blur where like cinematics and uh in gameplay they look the same almost to this point when that with this trailer you can see it's yeah, like they're, they've gotten so much better yeah that's crazy because i remember like my brother would play video games when we were kids and i was like 
this is not the game that we saw the commercial for. And he's like, no, it is. And I'm like, no, yeah. it doesn't look anything like it. He's like, well, that's the pre-video. I was like, huh? <laughs> like, yep. It didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I get and it's it. Like now. One of like, now yeah, that it's, I've it's, learned it's crazy. More, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, what? This is like Atari still. What the fuck? <laughs> This is like Atari still. I mean, that's kind of funny. That is what your mind says, but the graphics were even even way better than Atari, but it was still so right? disappointing. Slave labor is key. <laughs> <laughs> My yep. favorite Atari game was like Jungle Hunt. Nice. Did you ever play that one? I loved, oh, what was the one with the ostriches? Joust. Joust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, like, you had like little flying ostriches and you'd be basically jousting on it. <laughs> oh, my God. My best friend had a E.T. Atari game. That was pretty badass, too. The extra testicle. <laughs> right. Back to loop around to avocados. Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, <laughs> Just the one. The JPL discovered that there is actually water on the moon at the poles. Oh, wow. So hinting at that there might have been something there at some point, but... Obviously not a lot because you know <laughs> there's no atmosphere. It, right. Well, <laughs> probably because you know what though. I mean, I I say this very humbly. I think you gotta explain that a little bit. Oh, like because I because if we all but here's the thing because if we all knew more about it, maybe we would be taking advantage of what's up yeah. there. So basically, well, at least we'd be plucking somebody from somewhere. Sorry, I'll show yeah. There's they find elements of water essentially, and I'll send you guys a link right now instead of just babbling about it. Oh, so like they found remnants compounds. Yeah, they found you know trace evidence of water on on the poles. So like hinting at that there might have been at one point you know a pole system like we have. We have magnetic fields, and then the poles usually tend to be more cold because the tilted axis of plants. Why is the atmosphere important for there to be water? Oh, because uh, basically what, like, if you think of Earth, you think of it like a bubble. Like, there's a bubble that, you know, goes a few miles up and kind of encapsulates our whole planet. And it kind of creates a barrier for stuff not really to escape. Between that and gravity, like, everything kind of, like, clings onto it. So, like, in Spaceballs, when the vacuum comes and <laughs> opens up the cargo Suck. door. Suck. <laughs> Metamorphosis completed, sir. Spaceball One has now become Mega Maid. She's gone from suck to blow. <laughs> so, so basically, gone from suck to blow. <laughs> Mel Brooks classic. Oh. So basically. Basically, the uh, the Mega Maid um, sucked up all, even the protective layer, so that's why there's no atmosphere. Correct. On the yeah. Moon. Basically, the okay. the moon is how the atmosphere works is because the planet is so huge that it pulls other things close to it. So all the gases, all okay. the liquids, everything gets pulled to the surface and keeps close because of gravity. The moon is a lot smaller, so it doesn't have that gravitational pull to really maintain an atmosphere like that we experience on the planet. So. Right water would if water was present it was exposed basically to the vacuum of space and just kind of drifts away got sucked out yeah i think i finally understood that yay <laughs> well a little a little space balls really analogy <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> not you I, well what's interesting is like 
I feel That's like awesome. No, seriously. <laughs> I feel like all the stuff that you learn in school, you're just like whatever. But when you get older, you can actually process the stuff that you learned in school. But no one's teaching you that stuff. So, yeah. in 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 my defense, I was probably being taught some of that stuff, but I was having such a great time. <laughs> but no, that was cool. That's a great. That's a great way to present that. So, like, how do they find like remnants? They just find like. They're not actually seeing, like, water droplets. They're just seeing, like, the elements when they do, like, a diagnostic of the sand or whatever, the soil. Is it like an insect in amber? (laughs) It's got dinosaur DNA in there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they have various probes that are currently orbiting the moon. And from what I've gathered from the articles is they basically use a form of, you know, as, like, ultrasound kind of thing where you, you know, shoot sound waves at a surface and judging upon like how it reflects so it's back. down below. What was that? Oh, you. So it's the impression of the of the quote unquote Earth. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, like how like okay. things vibrate back. That's how they kind of measure it. Like how it's what its consistency is. Like oh, so it resonates at this frequency. So therefore, this is stone kind of thing. Or if it reverberates at this frequency, it's water kind of thing. Because you know, different materials react differently to the sound. So they kind of like bombard the uh, surface and they see like oh well there looks like there's a pocket of water like you know so it's not even that it once was it's reverberating off of something that currently is yeah so they're finding trace oh i don't i didn't i didn't know yeah they're finding trace amounts of it so like it existed at one point on there because water is actually you know fairly easy to make it's just hydrogen and oxygen and that's both those Mm -hmm. elements are very abundant in the universe so so essentially if the moon was larger Mm -hmm. it could have like still exist what do you think keeps it there well it could have been it could have been habitable if if it was larger and what do you mean by like it keeps it there because the gravitational pull would be better because it's at the poles yeah oh gotcha yeah. like okay. how our, 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 our poles work because we you know our planet's kind of like on a tilted axis so so they're only finding pockets of water at the poles because that's the most amount of gravity area. that's on yeah. that area yeah, like gotcha that's the spot Sorry. that's least exposed to the sun so the the water that's there is not been evaporated and not dissipated entirely. Wait for it. Oh. Wait for it. That's the G spot. <laughs> <laughs> Gravity. G. Get it. Julie. Uh, Julie. <laughs> You're welcome. We gotta have a talk about this. <laughs> oh my that's kind of funny though, because like like you said, it basically pulls the numbers and the calculations are essentially how they deduce what elements were there because mm. of the vibrations and the in the readings. Yeah. I was looking at Popular Science magazine last night, and there's like a weird article in here, and it says to coroners, every cause of death is a number. A unique code that files incidents into a national database. So basically, every way people die is a number. So that just kind of made me think of that. And it was like, oh, <laughs> ones and zeros, ones and zeros. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but what was weird was like they they go down these the cause of death, and from 2016. The, the largest... Cause of death was falling out of your bed. Right. No, the, um, the largest incidences for death was accidental poisoning by exposure to a pesticide. Oh, wow. Hang gliding accident injury. Huh. Which, which <laughs> oddly is... Right? Which, which has more 
than accidental poisonings. So I didn't think there was per that many. Annually per year? Yeah, it says one. one what? Well, not annually per <laughs> This was uh, specifically in 2016, but for the whole year. Apparently, one more person died of hang gliding than accidental poisoning. <laughs> Someone decided to pick up a hobby that year and they became the one right? that broke the tie. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I didn't realize oh that many people were hang gliding. And then... Um, <laughs> Because what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, eight. Eight people died of hang gliding. Oh. And then also eight people died of contact with hot drinks, food fats, and cooking oils. So they probably burned themselves. Yeah, they uh, yeah, burned and then go in the shock. Deep frying and... or whatever. Yeah. That's how they died? Severe fluid burns or fryer-based fires yeah. can cause a life-threatening oh. loss of bodily that fluids. That just means you're stupid. So... Jesus Christ. Fucking burns are terrible. <laughs> if you actually, like, I've read up about how burns work, and it's just, ugh. It is the most, like, oh gut-wrenching, God. terrifying thing. It's like, <laughs> right? How many frozen turkeys are bubbling over across America every year that that's a fucking statistic? That's just stupid. Yep. Well, <laughs> don't just put fucking water or ice in your fucking grease. Don't fucking catch yourself on fire. Well, I think that's probably a good PSA for us right now because only a few months away is is uh, Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> public service announcement: We're coming up on Turkey Day. Don't fucking put in a fryer unless you really know what you're doing. Right? Make this sure it's completely dry. thawed. <laughs> but yeah, that that was kind of interesting. So like. Wow. Your conversation about how elements are perceived that just kind of reminded me of this yeah. this death article, which was funny because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to incorporate that into our podcast. <laughs> <But>. However, <laughs> success. It got the most laughs. <laughs> so we can figure out what elements are on the planet and how dumb people die. Nope. <laughs> the Darwin Fucking Awards. stupid. Right? <laughs> that's cool though so i don't know like space really interests me but also i don't think i'd want to go to space like, yeah it's not made for us <laughs> like right? humans oh are... what did i just say about naked and afraid yep, exactly. <laughs> right exactly that'll probably be like the future national geographic show it'll be like naked in space in space <laughs> Like, be... <laughs> just just a couple floating popsicles of people. Right. <laughs> we'll just have reality television shows based off of, you know, people who decided that they were going to go up into the space station or hang out on Mars. We'll have, like, delayed feed of real time, the real world of Mars. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> like... you, you know, once we send colonists to Mars, there's going to be a live feed, like, 24-7. They're going to set up cameras just to keep people interested in it. And keep money right. flowing towards it. So there, you're going to see live feeds of a bunch of people staring and, and, and like, microscopes <laughs> standing around and doing nothing. <laughs> It'll be, like, the real-time cat videos. They're just, like, kittens sleeping in a box. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we basically already have listened to it. We listened to The Habitat, and that was kind of, like, a documentary of what right? it would be like. I know. That was eight episodes narrowed down from one year of data. Yeah. <laughs> so that, there's always one was like, that means there's a lot of nothing happening. <laughs> right. Like, I'm sure the data yeah. they collected was important, but like for like, uh, entertainment value, it's just a whole lot of people sitting around making food and right. doing research and over analyzing the shit out of one. Yeah. Because right. <laughs> it's the only thing moving. Yep. <laughs> I wonder what the delay of the, the feed would be 
from Mars it's a because it is hours. so far away. You know what, though? We could make our own tri-paste widget to set timers for chat so it was like real time for them. <laughs> I like this idea. The time delay with like the current probe, like Curiosity, is about 13 minutes. Oh, that's not too bad, really. That's nothing. Yeah. That's kind of... What are these people whining about? Yeah, that's, well, that's not much at all. That's data, but it takes them, what, two two years to get there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically the communication system we use is basically like radio waves, essentially. So it kind of ripples through. It tra- it, it's it's near speed of light, but it's not quite kind of thing. Like, you know, speed is... That's weird how we Did can... you say two years? Two years doesn't seem long at all. I always feel like when I was a kid, it was like almost unimaginable. Two years, that's all yeah, it takes. Yeah, I think... It, well, because what they use, I think they slingshot. They kind of like orbit the... I think the original projection was like they're going to orbit the moon and then they slingshot back to the Earth and they slingshot back to the moon where they basically uh-huh. kind of like they, they leapfrog between the two building momentum off the gravity. So the thing I'm thinking of is pre-slingshot because that's kind of a relatively new idea, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's what the uh, the Apollo missions, they did it to a degree where they kind of like orbited the Earth to build momentum and they slingshotted to uh, the moon. Oh, okay. So like they... Very cool. Because basically being in orbit is like falling towards the planet but missing. Right. And what they would do, they would fall towards the planet and miss a little less. It's just a synchronized collapse. <laughs> so they keep building momentum. It's like golfing. Yeah. Except for if you're me, then you just miss because I suck at golfing. Yeah. It's all about miniature <laughs> golf, man. Yeah. Right. Well, that... I, I think that's still on the ground. <laughs> He's like, nah, man, I use that fucking driver on the podcast. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I take a five iron to when I go mini golf. <laughs> I fucking wind up and shoot that bitch. <laughs> I totally want to see an image of you in, like, whatever whatever golfing attire you choose of your choosing <laughs> just whacking a five iron i've actually done that like at putt putt with with the regular you know putter i've fucking hauled back and fucking just <laughs> it was really bad idea take out a blade it, it on the window and it's like just came like right back i was like ah, <laughs> british young cinderella who's coming out of nowhere he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron X back, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. It's in the hole! There's actually, I have, I have, I'm trying to find it right now on my computer. I have pictures where I dressed up one year as uh, Zoidberg from Futurama, and I went and played <laughs> miniature golf <laughs> at, oh, yeah. up in Santa Cruz. <laughs> That's so funny. Where's the mini golf at the boardwalk? Yeah, yeah, Neptune's Kingdom. Okay. I, I, we haven't been there. God, I haven't played mini golf in like forever. Oh, it's fun. I mean, it's it's always fun. Yeah, it is fun. We used to have a really big miniature golf place in the town over from us. So we'd 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 go up there. There was like the polar bear. There was the windmill. It was pretty pretty elaborate outdoor mini golf place. Oh, nice. Which was interesting because everything shuts down in the winter, so all these mini golf courses would just be covered with snow in the in the winter time but that's funny there was a lot of that was you know when you're when your parents are divorced and you have a certain amount of time to spend with your children like that's kind of one of the go-to divorcee uh activities (laughs) how many holes are on this course that gives me kind of an idea of how much time i'm spending here it lets me know i'm a good parent (laughs) i have designated time here and it's better than a movie because we're like actually talking to one exactly on one time (laughs) tanya did you have any key topics that you wanted to hit 
I did have some, but I just feel like we have enough content. The Everything I have is kind of political, and I don't really want to totally get into politics, but I, I happened across a very short video of Ruth Ginsburg. And I know that they have the documentary that's out, and I just, I get real, like, cautious about anything that's real nationalism or give celebrity to uh, a Supreme Court judge. And it's kind of one of those things that's just kind of just a lot in my face and in my environment right now, like REM was when they were in their heyday. And it's just this like white noise in the background. But today there was like a really small video that, that ha I happened upon. And do do any of you guys know anything about Ruth? I did see the, I mean, they keep airing the preview on CNN for the RGB or no, RBG yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the other thing. Like anything that like associates itself in the most strange way to hip hop, I always am like, mm, what's going on there? I didn't know that <laughs> she wasn't, uh, what did it say about she was the first female lawyer, like no one would hire her? I don't remember what it said, so I probably yeah, shouldn't say they, that. Yeah, they wouldn't hire her. There was, here. here's what I, what I came to learn. She was one of nine out of 500 women that attended Harvard Law School. That's crazy. The, like a boss. And I thought, what's that? I said like a boss. Like a boss, right? Right, right, right. But then it actually gets better because I thought, okay, well, everybody, there always has to be a certain number of first. And in her case, you know, I thought, okay, well, she was one of the first. But what pressed upon me was that her and her husband <laughs> had a child. Hold on. I found it. <laughs> awesome, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That is pretty sweet. Okay, sorry. So I, that picture was awesome. That is awesome. So anyway, so she, her and her husband had this like kind of abnormal, very liberal 50-50 relationship and she ends up pregnant and a year after her child is born, she enrolls at Harvard Law and becomes one of nine out of 500 students who are female there. The discrimination was so deep at the school at the time that the dean at the time that she was there would invite these women over to his house for dinner and then ask them, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> who made that for you? Oh, I made it. That's awesome. Oh, you're like, oh, I made it. I took a fucking red glove and some yeah. oodly eyes. And a fucking <laughs> yeah, they're, they're literally oven mitts and then a red glove on for a face mask and then I cut up a bart mask to get the eyes oh fucking awesome oh sweet that's fucking cool could you see through the eyes barely barely yeah <laughs> is that where the black is yeah they're, they're like little holes so you like i could see kind of like 45 degrees to the right and 45 degrees to the left and that was about it how, how good was your golf game that day <laughs> oh it was terrible it was terrible <laughs> if you use those eyes again what you need to do is get like a, a mesh strainer and fucking mm. paint paint it white in a section and oh, then black yeah. in a section. That's a good idea. Yeah. But that's, that's fucking really cool. That's a good idea. That's awesome. That's a great outfit. Okay, so back... So, so the anyways. dean, the current dean would invite over all the so women? So he would invite these women over for dinner and they'd think, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, here we are, this group that's on the fringe and the dean is, is inviting us over to dinner. And he would... For an orgy. <laughs> he would ask the ladies what what made them think that they were so invaluable that they would take the place of a man at the school. That's crazy. Jeez. And I thought, wow, that is really crazy. So like with each thing that I read, I obviously became more and more intrigued. Mm. She was the second to become a woman at the Supreme Court level. Oh, who is the 
first woman. Uh, hold on. Because I don't, I don't think I realized that she. I mean, I probably didn't realize because I was a kid. Let's face it. But um, I didn't realize that Clinton put her on the Supreme Court. I figured because she was so old that she'd been there forever. I don't know. I, I, I think that probably had a lot to do with his yeah, I wife. Say, I, I think that was Hillary, like speaking to his right? ear, like, "Hey, you should appoint her." <laughs> Why don't you make yeah. a fucking difference instead of getting your little wiener sucked over there? Why don't you do something good? <laughs> Sandra Day O'Connor was the oh, first. Oh, that's female. right. That's right. I and do you, know. you know what? When I read that, too, I thought to myself, I'm a little ashamed of myself because I do remember that kind of being a thing. But at the time, that was the Reagan era. So it was well, like, yeah, oh, you were so young then, that, yeah. too. The other fucking thing that Reagan. I found. What was that? Uh, it's that fucking Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. He, he was a great lover and a good actor, but not too bright the other thing um that she still smarter than trump though oh fucking got that right even on even on his full-on illness terrifying truth Um, (laughs) right i mean god right solace in that fact the other thing that i found really prolifically interesting about her was uh, her ability to pick and choose her battles Mm. so she tended to take on social issues of uh, gender equality cases that really mattered, that really made a difference. So one of the things that she did was she was involved in a case of Duran versus Missouri. What is that? I'm going to send it to you right now. This is one of those times I feel like a bad feminist. I, I don't know so much about <laughs> Ruth Bader. Well, I, and I didn't yeah. either, but because I'm from there, it obviously, you know, kind of was like a little, another little, little breadcrumb. But she would take on these very interesting wedge issues that kind of flipped the script a bit. So in that case with Missouri there, these women wanted to be able to continue opting out of participating in jury duty because they were females. That was something that you could do. Hmm. And Ruth whose original name actually was Joan, which I thought was interesting, but her mom made everybody call her by her middle name because there was, like, so many Joans in the classroom at the time. So it was, like, a really popular name. That's funny. And her mom was, like, really educated as well, but ended up becoming pregnant and didn't move forward with her school, which is probably what gave her the strength to move forward with school after she gave birth. The other case that she took on was this case of this gentleman who lost his wife but wasn't allowed to collect her social security because in America, men are the breadwinners. It's part of the reason why we have salary differences because the thought is, is that you have a male breadwinner in the house. So, so he shouldn't need her money. Throw more money. <laughs> right, right, right. That's crazy. You know, and this was something that was so ingrained in our culture that it affects like your bank loans. It affects a wide number of things. So, you know, these are kind of the little things that I know about feminism and have kind of been on the fringes about. But when I saw some of these other statistics, she was one of two people she tied at being the head of her class. And when she graduated, she couldn't get a job, as Julie was saying before. A professor I don't know if I actually said it, but yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) I struggled. A professor had a lobby on her behalf for her to basically get a clerk job for a judge. That's crazy. So here you are with a degree and you're essentially a secretary. Yeah. That someone had yeah. to beg for you. That's fucked yes. up. Yes. She, uh, uh, she was very well aware of her salary gap yeah. with other male colleagues. You know, and it was just crazy. So it just, made, it just makes me think about what feminism is when I read cases like these. Because the idea that a woman's going to opt out of jury duty because she's a woman in this day and age sets us so far back. Yeah. <laughs> it has i mean that makes me feel better about having trepidation about going to europe you know what I'm saying? it's like really stupid yeah, it was interesting um 
like I, I was telling you guys, I had jury duty yeah, this last got week. Selected, right? Or well, yeah, you didn't so, get selected, but you totally. got called upon. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was summoned, but I was like, I was uh, sixty-nine <laughs> out of uh, seventy-three. <laughs> <laughs> you're all winning. <laughs> it's funny because I was I was sitting there, they're reading off names like you know, so and so, your juror number, blah so-and-so your jury number x whatever and then like they hit 69 they call my name i, I just do one of those like laughs because i'm like of course i'm 69 that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. but anyways where was i going with that uh, oh like it was it was interesting because through the whole selection process they kind of ask you a bunch of questions about what your life is what your experiences are where you come from to kind of like get a, a variety of people representative of the community to be oh, jurors. Make up yeah, a good, right? You want totally. to have a good mix. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're kind of like, you know, asking all these questions, but it, it was interesting because students, I didn't know this. Apparently students are exempt. Like if you're taking a full load, like if you're taking 14 units, you, you get automatic just, okay, you can leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, the judge kept saying like, there's a couple students that came in like, yeah, you know, if, if you're in classes, you can just leave because we yeah. value education over right. jury That's service. That's interesting. It's a statement. Yeah, that, that, it was cool because like, but it was really cool because there was this girl and she was taking like fifteen units and like the, the judge asked her, "Would you like to, you know, invoke your right to be dismissed?" And she's like, "No." And he's like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're a student. That's kind of cool. He's like, "You've got a free pass." She's like, "No, I want to be here for this." And she's like, "That's kind of interesting." Yeah, That's like it was cool. She's like, "I I want to experience this. I want to serve." even though I'm, I'm doing a full load and she ended up serving. <laughs> That's cool. The whole process was interesting because it was, it's, it's funny because the district attorney and then the, the defense get to like each one of them get 10, just excuse somebody and get rid of them kind of thing for whatever angle they're trying to play. Oh. So Probably like, because they already understand that information well in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like there'll, there'll be people like they sound like good candidates, like, Oh, this person's educated. You know, they're willing to serve, say they're going to be unbiased. Mm -hmm. And like, just randomly the DA will be like, oh no, just let them go. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, thank yep. you for your service, but you can go. Yep. Uh, did they tell you why they didn't choose you or? And I never got called. They got to like 45. Oh, okay. So they just and, didn't and have to get it, that so. far. Yeah. It was, it was funny. The judge kept calling me out. Cause like we, we all came in we sat down in the courtroom. He was like, just because you might be the low numbers doesn't mean you won't get picked. And he looked at the sheet and said, juror 69, <laughs> you know, just because you're fourth to last doesn't mean you can't just not pay attention. You have to yeah. listen to every, every question that's asked and respond. You're like, I am. I'm 69, man. Yeah. They're taking this honor. I was sitting like in the front row and like I was looking at the whole time because I'm just, you know, listening to him because you got to do it. Right. right. And he like he kept looking at me. So he called me out because I think <laughs> 69 or something. But yeah, it was, it's interesting. And then at the end you were like, well, I guess you were wrong because I'm 69. I'm yeah, it's here. funny because he like at, at the very end, once they had filled the juror box and they had the two alternates, he like, all right, juror 69, you can breathe a sigh of relief because you're all released. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's probably because you chuckled when they said yep. 69. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he knew. It's like, oh, he was like, I know perv. what you're saying. <laughs> That's funny. That's interesting, though. But uh, I want to know more about uh, RBG. Yeah, I think... Uh, is the movie still playing? Is the CNN movie the same thing as the theater? I don't know. that. And, and you know what? I'm not even sure that the thing I watched was the same thing in comparisons. It was like a very kind of watered down, just the facts kind of thing. And with each fact that popped up, I thought, well, that's interesting, or I can relate to that. And just made me dig further and further. But I feel like I got most of the key elements out. I mean, she was, you know, a, a definite victim of a glass ceiling. Sexism. She was very candid about her husband's support. Um, he, too, was a, a, a very respected lawyer. 
you know, there were other things, you know, they'd gone through like personal crises and things like that, cancer and things of that nature, but I didn't feel like that played too, too much. Although I will say that when she was diagnosed with cancer, she met all of her obligations. She still remained uh, a Supreme Court judge. <laughs> remained a right. badass. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, I, yeah, I mean, it's kind of something that I've, I took, kind of took for granted, but you know, like I said, anything that all of a sudden increasingly comes down my way, I'm like, I have a little concern about it, but. This here says that it is, CNN is airing the documentary, which was just in theaters recently. Okay. You can also purchase it on YouTube for nine ninety nine. Google Play, and Amazon Prime videos. When I uh, sign in for my adult version of YouTube. Right. Uh, <laughs> Amazon Prime is the highest at twelve ninety nine, where Google Play and YouTube have it for nine ninety nine. But if you have CNN, you can watch it. On demand or on something. On demand. Or, well, it's actually airing tomorrow at 6 p.m. And, like, it's basically airing every Sunday. I mean, Sunday. probably in conjunction with Labor Day, so we have to probably yeah. say something about that. America. Yeah. When, we went, right, when we went and saw Won't You Be My Neighbor, I noticed that was playing in right, yeah, the neighboring yeah. theater, no pun intended. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? I didn't even mean to. A friend of mine, actually, she did a, a double header and saw Mr. Rogers and RGB. Or R- I keep, I want to say RGB because that's the color system. Yeah, I, I totally did that too when I Googled it. And it came up with something like, that's not right. <laughs> CMYK and RGB. No, but. Notoriously uh, nerd. <laughs> RBG. A friend of mine saw both documentaries like in the same day at the Nickelodeon where we saw it. Oh, nice. She said that the RBG movie was really good. It actually has 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, nice. Yeah, because I've heard nothing but good things, but, like, I don't think it's made a lot of money because it's a movie about a feminist icon. Yeah. <laughs> so... I know, documentaries don't usually make a lot of money in the theaters either. Yeah. Well, I guess it's, it's made $13.8 million. Wow, that's pretty that's good. That's pretty good for, I don't know what its its budget was, but that's pretty high for a documentary. Right. People versus John Lennon. That's a documentary everybody should see. That was a great doc. You know... I'm always very hesitant to use the word feminism. I was definitely born and raised in middle America. And I, you know, as, as the older I get, the more I understand that how, how rooted I kind of am and maybe some of my belief systems kind of stem from. And feminism is such a fucking bad word. I'm, I'm literally better off saying fuck than saying feminism in <laughs> middle yeah. America. And, you know, I have a very firm grasp and understanding of the very negative contrast that the, the connotation that that word brings you know kind of like a lotus flower growing from a pile of shit i'm learning that you know there's some real validity in the oppression of, of women in a much much bigger way than i was aware of yeah the the way i view feminism like i you know i identify as a feminist but the way i view it is like we're equals i want I, i'm pushing for equality across all genders all Mm -hmm. racial backgrounds we should all be equal we're different but we're all the same we're all on the same plane kind of thing and i think we should respect the differences let's just put that out there yeah yeah like you know there's obviously differences between everybody like some people are good at this some people are good at that some people are stronger some people are weaker it doesn't matter like Like, me are just amazing at everything (laughs) (laughs) yep (laughs) some people are just born badasses like julie (laughs) sorry But oh, what was I going? I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm with you. You just really want the equality for everyone, no matter how they are different. Yeah, exactly. Like I I want everybody to be 
treated as equals and not discriminated just based upon one part of their their being they should just be admired and recognized for their skill and certain things as opposed to just like oh you're a woman so you you got to stay home and make sandwiches it should be are you an asshole or are you a good person because really beyond that all the other things really don't amount to much yeah (laughs) you know if, if you're a good person then i want you to succeed if you're an asshole I don't want you to succeed. Like, because I don't want to perpetuate the assholes. Assholes. Perpe- <laughs> yeah, I'd rather perpetuate, like, the good. But then but then the conundrum becomes who's right about who's the asshole. Well, I mean, if you're just vindictive and fucking. If you pass on the right, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, inadvertently, because of our trip, I ended up watching a, a weird video about incels and, like, what oh, that yeah. can mean in the most extreme ways. Like, there's a whole, like, group of men out there that have these very specific beliefs and have no problems using aggression or alluding, heavily alluding to aggression in order to convey their conviction and it was really frightening yeah, i was, it was like kind holy of... shit i could be i could be eating a fucking cheeseburger next to this guy <laughs> yeah they just feel entitled that like this is their they're owed this it's not like a consent thing yeah it's it's scary yeah and what was crazy too was like how they felt like their rights were being taken away infringed on like it wasn't even like sex it was like a wide variety of fucking things that like i just totally i take granted because i'm from the what US. was that tanya i think we actually watched that when we came back because i don't yeah i don't remember i just remember my fucking jaw like just it was the woman was sitting there and she was like i was trying to Oh, it was that show that I sent you, Tyler. Um, It was like a BuzzFeed news thing. Yeah, it was BuzzFeed, but it was BuzzFeed on Netflix. So BuzzFeed has articles, obviously, BuzzFeed.com, but they they had a a docu-series, essentially, and they were taking these small topics and they were going... Kind of exploring it. Yeah, and so it was, you know, on Netflix. And it it was interesting. So it was like the behind the scenes of the information that they were intaking and the research that they were doing to produce these BuzzFeed articles. And it was funny because, you know, this, I think she was Indian. She was, she was trying to get information about, you know, these incels. And there was a very controversial thing that she had said that had created this spark in the incel community and then I, I didn't realize it was about incels in particular. I just my takeaway and maybe it was just because that's when I, I queued in was that she wanted some people's advice and she explicitly said, I don't basically want it from white males. Like mm. she wanted research from the non-white male group. And then Pop- that blew like way up in her face and all these incel people came out. And one of the people she who massive was, death threats against her. Yeah, the doxing shit. Yeah, and one of the people who she ended up interviewing was a woman who looked exactly like a fucking linebacker. Yeah, and who was for incels saying all these white men are lo- losing all their rights. And I was like, when you have ninety nine percent of the rights, if you lose one percent of rights really not losing that much yeah she was the most aggressive voice and she was the most gay looking yeah it's funny when people lash out like that at something that they don't quite understand and they blame the world is basically against them like incels mm-hmm. you know I, i'm an active redditor as you guys know yeah and incels are always kind of like a laughing 
laughing joke that everybody <laughs> kind of pokes fun at them because they're incels. <laughs> but they, it's funny because they, they, they lash out against like women and society and you know people of color because those are the things that are causing them to be in, involuntarily celibate, which is incel. Mm-hmm. They're not getting laid because, oh, women are, you know, the only one I sleep with chads or <laughs> kind of thing. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, they just feel entitled because I'm a good guy. I should be able to have sex with any woman I want. Right. Like, if your goal in life is to sleep with a girl who does want to sleep with a chad, you're kind of no better than her. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's always funny when they like, they do this. It's the double standard of like, you know, I want to go out and sleep with all the women, but if this girl has sex with more than two people, she's a slut. Like, yeah, yeah, right. It's like, really? <laughs> Do yeah, you not it's... see the fucking irony here? <laughs> that was a great little show. I think we binged the whole series of the BuzzFeed that was available. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. But you should check out cool. the... I'll post the links below. Yeah, so but... send me the link, so I'll watch that part today. Yeah, it was pretty eye-opening for me because, like, I I know that stuff's on the perimeter. I'm not I'm not in any way, shape, or form in denial. But I I guess I'm a little laxed in the idea of how aggressive some of these people really are. Yeah, and they're right here. They're homegrown. Yeah, and they're it's just it's prevalent on the internet, especially because people are quote unquote anonymous, so they feel they can get away with saying the things they actually think. And there's not going to be, like, social repercussions. Like, you couldn't say that shit at work, you know, right? without having, facing some kind of problem. But you can say it on the internet. So they kind of vent on the internet. That's, that's like their safe haven. No, man. I'm thinking about running for presidency. <laughs> I mean, anybody can do it, apparently, now. Yep. <laughs> the Rock for President. <laughs> the name of the Netflix show is called Follow This. Okay. It's the the BuzzFeed TV series. It was just a weird wormhole that we wound up in and to see it on Netflix was was kind of interesting. I thought I thought that was a, yeah. a a good little show. And then and then they had some other like all the shows were pretty cool about what they were talking about the articles that they were doing, but it was kind of neat to see like the research portion of article writing especially in the day and age of fake news. So I thought that was a cool show. Agreed. Check it out. Check it out. Yeah, check it, check it out. And what many people are claiming is a huge landmark decision. California has passed the toughest uh, net neutrality laws after the FCC under uh, Jeet Pai basically just rolled it all back and gave telecommunications the chance to basically just turn one over on us and fuck us up. Right. Basically, they can just charge whatever they want. They can limit. They can throttle access to websites. Like, oh, you you like Netflix? Well, pay ten dollars extra, and you won't be th- your your connection speed won't be throttled, kind of thing. You like to do podcasts, and you want to do them at a great <laughs> speed. Yeah, you want to do them at a good, a, a, a decent want... speed. No, you well, don't want to pay ten dollars extra. Yeah. Right. You want to be in Europe and be able to use your translator and not get lost. Yep. You're going to pay this, but basically, California passed a law that. Is, is essentially what President Obama, under his administration, the FCC passed, was that internet should be free and neutral, and there shouldn't be a limitation or like paywall, essentially, mm-hmm. to access certain content. But now, they're basically given the chance to. But California said, fuck you, because that is bullshit, because... One of the first things that happened was Verizon, speaking of, (laughs) they throttled access to firefighters, which were fighting the fires in California. 
in like Northern so California. They they throttle their speeds because they use up so much data because they're using that to communicate with each other to see where they need to go to let everyone contact know people okay. that need to evacuate. And <laughs> yeah. like, oh, they're using too much data, so we're gonna you know limit their access. And so firefighters are fighting back because. <laughs> they need those fucking tools to do their j- fucking job. Right? Dick move, Verizon. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So basically, California put back the law as Obama put in place federally. California put it back statewide. Correct. Yeah. You know what I find most interesting about it is my grandmother was an old school telephone operator. Like Angelina Jolie did a movie on telephone operators and you had to be like poshly dressed. You had to have certain mannerisms. It was a very high, highfalutin job for a woman to have. And the thing that I find so interesting about the internet versus telephones is that it was so federally regulated to avoid a lot of these things that people are wanting to put in place to take advantage of you. Like the deregulation of the phone company is a perfect example of what our future could end up being with the internet. Yeah. yeah. That movie was called uh, Changeling. It was, came out in 2008. Where she was. And on a much bigger scale because the amount of information that gets parlayed with the internet versus the telephone is pre- pretty alarming. Well, nobody uses the telephone now because they just use the internet Correct. <laughs> text. Yep. Correct. Why talk when you don't have to? (laughs) But why was the phone so heavily regulated? When you go back at what those old regulations are for the telephone versus the internet, you're not covered by the same laws, and it's fucking crazy. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is the telephone was seen as a public work. It was seen as part of the government, whereas the internet now and telecommunications are seen as private things. So they're they're allowed to Until have our firefighters are fucked. Yeah, exactly. They're allowed to make their own regulations, and that's what the world that we live in now, without net neutrality, that's where we see corporations being able to set the rules as opposed to government being like, "Hey, this is an essential part of society. We need to regulate it." Now we have our companies just having fun with it and charging what they want to make right. money off of us. Well, and also we should remind everybody that the internet was invented and given away for free. Yep. So, in essence, nobody should be making any money off of it. Yeah. Internet's a great tool for the free exchange of ideas. Speaking of free, I think it's archive.org. It's essentially a free library... And it's the Internet Archive, a nonprofit library of millions of free books, movies, software, music, websites, and more. So you can actually go on there and find old books. Ben Franklin's autobiography. Like new books and old books. But you can find all sorts of really cool fucking shit on this website. So if you're ever bored and you want to go down a wormhole... Uh, you can, you can, and you can upload books too. So like I've uploaded some old sign painting books that are out of copyright that, you wow, know, 17 million books. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's fucking cool. I've uploaded some old books that I knew people would want access to. You find them on eBay. You, you know, you're that lucky person who gets to purchase that book. You may as well do something with it. So I've scanned them in or taken photos and post posted that online to allow people access to you know access to it as well. But there's print that's no longer in print. There's you know they have 4.4 4 million movies on here, four and a half million 
audio files, 240,000 uh, software programs on here. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. Fucking concert footage and shit. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing I, I love about the internet. It's just, it's all, again, like, it's it's all that information just put out there so people can learn and understand and find cool things. Yeah, it's, it's just, I love the internet. <laughs> Julie's so thankful for the internet because we really rode the library train for a really long time, and we, like, sometimes come in and out of it, depending on what kind of mood we're in. Yeah. And I, my, this is really kind of a no-no, I would imagine, but <clears throat> I love to go in and just grab handfuls of CDs and fucking burn them and listen to them. I have, like, some of the most crazy old jazz and, like, stand-up routines. And <laughs> well, I think if you're not, if you're not monetizing off of them, you're allowed to copyright is that is i don't know how the copyright works in that you're probably not allowed to but but talk about going down a public domain so it's okay yeah i think after so long it does become public domain and you know it's like a book that's out of copyright it's not yeah it's fair fair use at that point i think is so but yeah if you uh ever want to find some cool shit (laughs) archive.org if you want to kill an afternoon here you go Don't got shit to do? Have the flu? Don't want to move? <laughs> internet archive is for you. Nope. Just start reading some shit on the internet. Right? <laughs> but yeah, that... Yeah, that's a good find. Yeah. Net neutrality. Big thing that people don't know about. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I try to talk to people about it at work, and they're like, what? Like, what's what that? that? Right? I know. It's, and it's, it's scary. <laughs> the ignorance level at... For... As much information and as much ease to obtain information at this day and age, the lack of intelligence and consumption of the good information is very alarming. Like we have, we communicate and have the highest levels of information at this day and age, but yet we don't know shit. (laughs) Well, I I think big problem with that is stems from an oversaturation of information yeah i suffer from that too because like you know you can go on you can check facebook and you can check reddit you can check tumblr whatever whatever and there's just a constant barrage of different topics and different things to read yeah. about you don't know and what yeah path it's, it, it's kind of overwhelming you know, and a lot of people i think they tend to gravitate towards what's more comforting so they're watching their favorite shows they're talking about that mm-hmm. they're you know just keeping it what's comfortable for them yeah so what i've learned is that in order for people to have bigger understanding they have to have some sort of form of super suffering themselves generally speaking most people don't think about their neighbor unless they've experienced the same amount of pain and some people can put themselves in that person's shoes just enough to maybe kind of understand it to not have to put themselves through that experience. I think some people just don't learn unless they experience it themselves. And that's what makes it such a long and arduous process. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you have to, it's one of those you walk a mile in someone else's shoes kind of thing. Like you have to experience it to really understand the impact that that has on you. Totally. And I don't need to be on naked and afraid to know my ass doesn't fucking need to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think that's what is what is interesting between like artificial intelligence versus human intelligence is we stay in our wheelhouse and we learn the things that interest us and we really 
don't understand what it's like for anybody else until we experience it ourselves. But I feel like... That's how your worldview... Yeah, and with artificial intelligence, we can basically just drop in anything and everything that we need for that intelligent yeah. being to understand Let's make the it process. AI that's the ultimate empath. <laughs> right, right. I'd be okay with that. But eventually what'll happen is is that's going to become a mirror, right? And think of all that'll be wasted in order for that person to have that mirror. Yeah. Well, that's just uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a fact. (laughs) No, it's true. It's true. (laughs) So you just got to work with what you got and (laughs) tune out what you can't deal with. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And scene. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of TriPace Pod. Look forward to hearing our voices in your ear holes once again at the beginning of next month. Don't forget to like and subscribe to TriPace Pod on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud because it stimulates dopamine production in our brains every time you do. You can creep on us from afar at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at TriPace Pod. And of course, check out show notes, contact information, and buy merch at TriPacePod.com. And as always, you're awesome. I swung about to a commotion behind me in the sight of the three imps, one hanging from their racks of pots and pans, one standing on the island in the center of the kitchen, and the final one barreling towards my legs. All of them, teeth bared and vicious, vicious, vicious. All <laughs> I would Sean Connery with their teeth bared and vicious. I swung my booted foot. <laughs> I'm going full Sean Connery on them. I'm gonna kick all their ashes. Once I got bit by an imp, and then I became a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact. <laughs> okay. That's what we need to do. Just cackle. Like <laughs> <Sean Connery>. yeah. <laughs> Worst right. Bond ever. Uh, you can Go from all of them. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. (laughs) Now I keep wanting to do the Sean Connery voice. (laughs) You can hear it in my head. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time. For y'all have knocked her up. I have tasted the maggots in the mind of the universe. I was not offended. Oh, I knew I had to rise above it all or drown in my own shit.